My name is Emily Barony, and you're listening to Backyard Pet Talk with Shannon Riley. Hi, Emily. So all of you guys, this is our special edition of Backyard Pet Talk. Emily, as if you've listened to any of them, you can probably tell just by our conversation and from what I've told you, she's one of my besties. And so when she got her little pup, Teddy, she was asking me 8,000 billion questions about raising a puppy and said, wait a minute, why don't we do this as a podcast so people can benefit from her questions and me answering. So we have been doing these podcasts now since before she had Teddy. And so if you've skipped episodes, go back so you can hear, because sometimes we talk about the same questions. It might be in a different setting or different things, but super good to listen to, listen to multiple times because I like to listen to podcasts while I'm running or hiking. So sometimes I have to listen more than once because I don't have a way of jotting down notes. So we love it. And we are here to help you help your puppy. So what's your first question today, Emily? So the theme of today is settling in. So I have had Teddy now for about seven weeks. Um, I guess it'll be seven weeks on Friday. You know, we're in this process now of like really learning each other and like pieces of his personality are really starting to come out because he's not like in this strange environment and blah, blah, blah. So I have a whole series of questions about like, okay, I, I survived the initial month, right? Of like, oh my goodness, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> this dude is crazy. So I want to start with something that you told me earlier this week. And I was like, oh my goodness, I need to ask this on the podcast. So, so puppies need to sleep 18 to 20 hours a day. And what I said to you was, you know, I'm really struggling with that limited amount of time. I'm really struggling to tire him out. And you said, no, no, Emily. <laughs> the goal is not to tire the puppy out. So what is the goal, Shannon? And why is it not to tire uh, the puppy? So this doesn't just pertain to puppies, but it will pertain to your dog for whole their whole life. Um, Sometimes when people have high energy dogs or they have dogs with behavior problems or puppies, they think the goal is, well, if I exhaust them, then I'll just have a sleeping puppy or a sleeping dog and I won't have to deal with the behavior problem that was happening, whatever that was, whether it's just adolescence, whether it's aggression, whatever it is. So the problem is, is that when we over tire or over exhaust puppies or over exercise dogs, what we do is sometimes we create them for a need for them to exercise more. So they can actually become like, especially in adult dogs where they get almost like addicted. And so a 30 minute walk doesn't do it anymore. And now you're at 45 minutes and now you're at an hour. Now you're at two hours, just like for a human, it's not good for us to exercise to the point to exhaustion every single day, maybe on a Saturday or a Sunday, you know, you go on a long hike or something and you're tired, but you don't want to do that on a, on a regular basis. You know, my son's a water polo athlete. And even with his swim, you know, his, he has a two hour practice, but that's not to exhaust him. And it's not that he's swimming the whole time and doing conditioning the whole time. It's he's learning the skills and things like that. So there's mental. So that goes about what my answer for this is, is we need mental stimulation. Um, humans during COVID really recognized how much mental stimulation they needed and that they received on a daily basis by going in new environments, talking to people, you know, going grocery shopping, running errands is all mentally stimulating for humans, not physically. But if you think about a day where you ran a whole bunch of errands, and, you know, you had to do all kinds of like things around the house, it wasn't physically exhausting, but you might be more exhausted from that than if you went on a 10 mile hike. And it's a different kind of exhaustion. Fatigue that you get from over exhaustion from exercise can sometimes backfire because then you're wired and tired because your brain is not 
hasn't worked what it needs. And so puppies, they need the mental stimulation and the physical, but you have to be careful with all of them too. If you overexhaust, especially a puppy, you run a puppy that isn't fully developed and their joints are still at risk. They are growth plates. If you look at a puppy's bones, they are not fully fused. So if you look in an x-ray of a puppy, their bones have these growth plates that are not fused yet. So it looks like they're broken, but it's just natural. It's how they're supposed to be. And it's at the heads of the femur and at the bottom. So you look at this and those are their growth plates. So over-exercising a puppy, if we're not just talking about mental health and that can help, but physical actual anatomy is, you know, their joints are still developing. Their bones are still developing. You could actually injure them if you over over-exercise them. So that's the vet tech part of me talking, not the trainer, but you don't want to be running them on hard cement. You don't want to be like somebody with a young German shepherd puppy could not have been more than six months old, probably five, four or five months old, probably just got its vaccines. And the person was riding a bike and the dog was running along it on cement. And it just broke my heart because German shepherds already have problems with joints, elbows, dysplasia, hip dysplasia. And now this puppy is pounding on sidewalk. I'm a runner and I like to run on dirt and grass and I run more in trails because it hurts my joints if I'm running too much on cement. So that's a health perspective. But then we talk about, okay, so now you've got this puppy and you want to exhaust them, but you're only really spending four to six hours a day with them because they should be sleeping the rest of the time. They should, they'll naturally be falling asleep. You don't want to get them so they're fully exhausted because now you're creating a puppy who has to exercise, has to go on, and you're creating bad habits for future. So that's one thing is you don't want them to be exhausted physically because you played ball with them for the hour that they were awake. Because yeah, they're going to be tired, but they're not mentally stimulated at all. So what's better to do is a combination. So you can spend time on those awake times, you know, playing, especially maybe when they first wake up before they get tired and fatigued, where they're not mouthy. Then maybe you do a little training, like whatever your basic training, sit, nose touch. You can give them food toys if it's lunchtime. Do something that is mentally challenging for them and mentally stimulating for them. It could be going to a new environment. That's fine too. And then maybe you play with them for like 10 or 15 minutes of running around. And that's all that they need. You know, they're getting their wiggles out. You've now seen at puppy class, Emily, you know, puppy play lasts five to 10 minutes and then they're done. When Teddy has come to my house to play with Bitsy, it takes them about 10 minutes to warm up. They play hard for 10 minutes. And then the last 10 minutes, usually Bitsy's trying to avoid Teddy, you know, because she's getting tired and she's like, okay, 10 minutes is all I need. So puppies playing for an hour isn't always good, you know, for them. They need that downtime. So spreading it out. So you have mental stimulation. Maybe you have some bonding time, you know, you're sitting on the ground with them. Then you exercise them a little bit and then it's time to go back to bed, but you've got a balance there. And it's just important to not go, you know, have everything in moderation. The food toys, I think are super important because it teaches them independence and not depending on you all the time. And it mentally stimulates them. Training is good because you start teaching them at a young age, what you expect, you know, sit before your pet so that they don't jump on you or sit when you go out the door. So you don't run out the door. If you're going in the backyard, maybe you're teaching them, you know, come. So you play, you know, what my game is puppy pickle. So they play, you know, recall. So come to speed a second nature. And then you're doing all that. You're bonding with them. They're getting some mental and physical exercise. Maybe you give them a Kong if they're really mouthy. So you can pet them and watch some TV with them, just creating that balance and not over exhausting them because think about how you are too. Like you wouldn't want to exercise for six hours every single day. You would need that variety. So having that 
variety. Sometimes it can be even like it's warming up now because we're getting into the summer. So maybe you get a baby pool and you put some water in the baby pool. So now you're in water. I just saw a trainer who I had done this before, but it's a long time. They had a baby pool and they got those balls that kids jump in like at bounce houses and stuff. And they filled up some of those little plastic balls in a plastic baby pool. And then the puppy was playing or the dog was, you know, exploring. So now there's different textures. <laughs> Think of it as a preschool, you know, they have foam at preschool and they have the water table and they have painting. Well, you're not going to do some of those things, but you could do different textures. You could get some sand and put it in a baby pool, like a bag of play sand, let them explore that. And then you can always dump it out in your garden, you know, in your yard, if you don't want that again, but water the, is easy. The balls, you know, are easy. You can get newspaper or um, sometimes Amazon or Chewy. It leaves paper like, in yeah. as their filler for the packaging, put that in there. And then you can drop treats in there and make that tub like a place where they explore treats, you know, and have to go through the newspaper. Who cares if they shred up the newspaper? It doesn't matter. Well, I got a delivery and I let Teddy rip up the packing paper and he had great fun ripping that up. And I, I was really watching him to make sure he wasn't eating it, but just, yes. and, and Scooter loved to do that too. Just like rip up paper and so and just give them stuff up. like that that's already free you're going to recycle uh, you know boxes you can hide treats in boxes and make them go search for a treat in the boxes so you just have to get a little creative but those are fun things to do another thing that i just reminded me of our conversation that i think i said when we were walking about this is the hard thing about a puppy is as humans we want to like cuddle them and kiss them and spend all of our time with them but you have to remember that they're exploring the world. So if you've never had human children, you don't fully understand this, but human like babies are very dependent on you. You feed them, you change them, they sleep. You feed them, you change them, they sleep for the first, you know, six months or whatever. And then they start to explore. But a lot of times, unless they're scared, they want mommy or daddy. But when they're out somewhere, they want to like touch this and, and put this in their mouth and they are exploring the world. And if we allow them that independence, they become more independent individuals. The same thing with puppies. If we helicopter parent them and don't let them, and all they have to do is spend time with us, they may bond with us, but in the end, it might not be the healthiest overall. So that's where sometimes this time that they're awake too, you have to also let them you know, be on their own and finding that balance. So it's, it's a balance. And just remember, they should probably only have like serious exercise, you know, 30 minutes, maybe 45. So that might only be 10 minutes every time they're awake, you know, that you do something where you're getting them tired. But if you provide enough of the mental stimulation after an hour to two, they're gonna be ready for a nap anyway. And that could be going in the car. That could be, you know, having people over. That could be meeting a puppy, a vaccinated other dog. That might be going to the vet for the day, you know, a happy vet visit. It might be going to a friend's house or something that you're exposing them. Maybe, you know, like Teddy goes in a stroller. So to the restaurant, so people can see him. All of that stuff is training their brain and teaching them that the world is better. And so it's not all about exhausting them. You also want them to learn how to fall asleep on their own just naturally without being exhausted. You know, I mean, my dogs that are older, you know, they're like, oh, she's ignoring us. We're going back to take a nap. Oh, there's nothing yeah. exciting here. Going to take a nap. I mean, dogs sleep a lot. Healthy dogs sleep yeah. a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and one thing that you mentioned to me was that Teddy sniffing around by himself in the backyard. Is oh, yes. Perfect for him. It's it's working his brain. He's exploring it. I puppy proofed it. 
so it is safe so I don't need to watch him so then he's also developing independence when I'm not back there so I just want to throw that at totally and I do that I actually did it today because it's sunny to that was sunny and um my dogs were out with one of their friend dogs that's here and they were kind of bored and so they were barking to come in so I just crumbled up a whole bunch of my treats and threw them on I have artificial turf in my backyard but I threw it there and on the patio so then they were like sniffing and looking for food I have a client speaking of backyard that had a dog who ate too fast and fought with another dog she actually filled kongs <laughs> five kongs with different kinds of food and then hide them throughout the yard so that the dogs would sniff it and look for the Kongs. But that dog loved it. Like he couldn't wait, you know, and he was like, got to explore, look for his treats. But if it's a Kong, you could have, you know, a dog out there for an hour of playing and they're independent, they're eating and, you know, their brain's working because they're searching for stuff. So, so you mentioned that puppies need to learn the skill of falling asleep even when they're not exhausted how the heck do I get Teddy to settle down so we can watch TV together he um (laughs) you know we've gotten so good about him sleeping in the kennel he goes in easy he sleeps for a few hours like I don't stress when I leave the house, he can self-soothe and put himself back to bed. Like all of these really good things. We've, I feel like we're really successful on sleeping all night in the kennel and naps in the kennel. But how do I start now to transition him to just kind of hanging out and napping when he needs to nap? Or should that not be a goal now? It's, he's or- still pretty young. You know, he's only four months 15, now. Yeah, so he's not even four months yet. So for him, it's still kind of young, you know, to be able to, life is still stimulating. But one thing that I can tell you in general, when I see people with puppies, that makes it hard for puppies to settle down when they're in our presence is that we're always like squishing their faces, playing with their ears, you know, playing with the toy. We are being stimulating. So we're stimulating them, but then we're also asking them to calm down which is very confusing. You know, puppies like, okay, are we playing or are we not playing? You know, things that you can do to start teaching them this, like say you're in your living room and instead of being on the couch, you just sit on the ground, but you just like let them explore. You don't make your fingers into toys. You don't get a toy out. You know, you kind of let him, he comes over, you can pet him, you know, let him just see you as not a toy sometimes because that makes it hard because they're like, oh, there's that person who's super excited. This is where people see with me because Obviously, I love dogs and and they all know that I'm going to be kind and I'm going to give them treats. And but they I also make them sit before I give them a treat a lot once they get coming. And, you know, people will say, gosh, there's so much different with you. But I've kind of created what my expectations for them is that I'm not going to if they're going to bite my hands, I'm going to walk away. We don't play that way, you know, or I'm going to ask them to sit if they're jumping. You know, it's just for me, it's just I'm it's just my second nature. But teaching them, you know, what you want them to do. So if you're always a play, this happens in families. I'll see, they'll say, gosh, he bites my husband a lot. Well, the husband is always wrestling with puppy. That's all that, or kids, kids are always teasing puppies, but then those mom, the dog might just settle because puppy maybe is in the kitchen while she's making dinner and she's totally ignoring puppy and puppy's like, oh, she's not nearly as exciting. I love her. She gives me food, but she's not stimulated. 
So mm-hmm. being kind of a neutral, you know, not always a play toy helps. He could probably handle like 30 minutes maybe of watching TV or being mellow. But what you might need to do, and I have some dogs who have to do this when they're trying to learn to be therapy dogs and they're going to have to lay in laps is we give them like something to chew, whether that's a bully stick or a Kong or a no hide or a rawhide or whatever your puppy likes to chew, a special thing that they chew while they're laying in your lap. And then you're just gently petting them, not scratchy, 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 but like long, soothing strokes so that they learn that long, soothing strokes are okay, that they don't have to bite them, but you're keeping their mouth occupied with something else. So, and that totally just brings me to something different that we've never talked about. And I just want to mention just because I said that you, the way you pet them does matter. So for not every dog, but a lot of dogs, if you're doing like fast, scratchy, 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 you're stimulating them, you know, you're patting them on the head, that's going to be all stimulating sensory. So if you kind of think about somebody patting you all the time, if you're getting a massage and they do the karate chop part, that's not really relaxing. It might help your muscles, but it's not like you're like, oh, this is so nice. Um, You know, when they're, you know, pounding on your back, but if they're doing long, soothing strokes, you're more likely to fall asleep or relax. So that's the kind of thing you want to make sure you're doing with your puppy is that you're doing things that are calming when you want calm actions, you know, because otherwise it can be confusing. I would love for Teddy to eventually sleep in bed with me. When do we get to start making that happen? So that all comes down to a little bit and Teddy's been great about potty training. So that helps. I typically, I think six months is usually when some might be able to, some have to wait till they're a year. I had uh, my most current puppy was Scout. So 11 years ago, but it's very clear. I remember So I think she was around five or six months and I wanted her to sleep with me. And then what started happening is in the middle of the night, I go to the bathroom and she started getting up with me and I got into this little habit of letting her out to go to the bathroom. I'm like, wait a minute, I don't want you getting a habit of going to the bathroom. So then I was like, well, you don't need to go because you went. So then she started jumping down and having accidents in the middle of the night. Then my scout had to be back in her crate for a couple more months before she was ready to hold it all night. So I have some clients who are able to do it earlier. What you do have to make sure is you're still giving them crate time during the day and make sure that they still in the crate because sometimes people transition them to their bed and now puppy doesn't want to have anything to do with the crate anymore because like, but I'd rather sleep on the bed, but it's more of an individual house training situation and your lifestyle. And is he going to be able to maintain his crate time during the day when you can't be there? So you know, sometimes people often ask me, when can I start leaving out of the crate? Usually I tell people, if you do it too early, they start chewing on cords. They chew on carp. You leave them alone. They just, it's not that they're always separation anxiety. They just get bored. And I'm like, oh, this cord's kind of interesting. And then they chew up. So you have to do that a little gradually too, because, you know, it's like how much are they responsible? Freedom comes with responsibility. <laughs> yeah. You had mentioned a scratch pad. What is a scratch pad and why should I get one? I think it's good to teach your puppies from the very beginning to trim their nails so that they accept it. So touch their feet all the time, give them treats, make it fun. You can teach them to give you, you know, like shake or give you their paw and then you trim their nails. And when they're puppies, their nails shouldn't be too long. So you could, I would get trim them, you know, like once a week you trim them or Dremel if you have a Dremel so that they get used to that because that's important. But Trimming your puppy nails is not always fun. And I have another trainer friend that hates trimming nails. She finally just got a scratch pad. And so while she's watching TV every night, she has her puppies learn how to scratch on this scratch board. 
so that every day they're getting their nails <laughs> trimmed a little bit. So she doesn't have to remember it. It's a fun way to have them learn how to do their nails. You, you know, have to teach them to scratch, which takes some time. And you can teach pup dogs to scratch front and back. It's just a little easier just to do their front first, but the back, if they're walking a lot, don't grow as long. So you can teach them to do that as a game at first and where they just scratch each paw. And then that basically you're filing down their nails. If they have their dew claws, you're still going to have to do your dew claws because it doesn't reach the scratch pad, but it's a way to keep them kind of filed and keep them smoother. But you can also use an emery board that's like for acrylic nails. So it's a little thicker grate. And then while you're sitting there and they're eating a Kong or whatever, you can just file them or trim them. But spending a lot of time on trimming nails early is, is really helpful in the long run for your life. Yeah. So I have a Dremel and, mm -hmm. and it was interesting because I had to sort of do a two phase because I waited too long for him to, to start getting him used to the Dremel, but mm -hmm. they were really sharp. And so I had to do just like some filing with those acrylic mm -hmm. ones first, just so like to protect myself because they yeah. were so sharp while I was getting him acclimated to the Dremel. And so I want you to sort of talk us through this whole concept of how to get puppy used to something that they're not used to, right? So in this instance, it's a like the Dremel. Dremel. It makes noise. Mm -hmm. It's going to sort of vibrate their foot. And so talk me through the whole process of how to get puppy used to a Dremel or something, some other yeah. novel. We'll experience. stick with the Dremel, but pretty much desensitizing to anything is all the same. I mean, obviously just, just slip in different um, things. So we'll start with, you have to look at, okay, what part of the body? So it's the feet. So we start out touching, massaging between their toes, getting them used to it. So they don't care. You don't, if they're pulling back their foot, then they care. So you want them where they almost offer their foot to you. You can play with their toes. They get lots of cookies. Maybe they have a licky mat at the time. You can put a licky mat on a wall because they can post them. Maybe they're licking a Kong. So they're getting the idea of when you touch my feet, good things happen. So they're getting something that they like. Licking things is helpful just because you don't have to keep feeding it to them. They can lick something like on the licking mat. So the feet need to be getting used to it. Then what, if I had a puppy who was a little unsure of all this, I might get a, I'll get my Dremel, plug it in, turn it in on really low. Like the, if it's got, some of them yeah. have different ranges. So it's sitting like next to me while I'm playing with puppy's foot. So now puppy's like, I hear that sound and my feet are being touched until they don't really even care about the sound. You can turn the volume up if you need to. Then what I probably do, depending on the puppy, I'm explaining to you this, like as if the puppy was scared of this, just so I'm on the most conservative side. But you could fly through this faster if your puppy's like, I don't really care. You're touching my feet. I don't care about that sound. This doesn't bother me. Then what I would do is have the Dremel touch their toes with it off. Give them treats every time you touch the toe. So now crazy little equipment is coming towards my feet and I'm, you're touching them and I'm going away. So now they're getting used to Dremel touching toes. It's off, but they're used to it approaching. I might also do the filing with the acrylics and giving treats. So now they've got a little bit of that feeling of, that buzzing friction. and the yeah. friction. And so now you've got that. And you would do all of these stages until puppy doesn't care. So some are going to fly through this really fast. And then some might take weeks on weeks to do this. It's just going to depend on the puppy. Then what I would do is turn the Dremel on super low and then touch it to the toenail, give a treat, touch it to a toenail, give it a treat and see how your puppy handles it. This is where the humans have to not be greedy 
and I will be the first to admit that I'm oftentimes greedy. Um, and I'm like, oh, he's doing great. I'm going to do another one. Oh, he's doing great. I'm doing another one. Oh, he's kind of not liking this, but I can get two more in. You need to stop ahead. So you may only do two nails on Monday and two nails on Tuesday and two nails on Wednesday and two nails on Thursday and two nails on Friday. And now you've got all the front nails done in a week and you might go back and do the back feet or you might just, if the back toes aren't bad, you might just focus on the front toes and then do the back toes. Not every dog, but a lot of them care more about the front feet than the back feet. It's usually a little easier to trim back feet in general. And then eventually when they don't care, then you can go and dremel everything and then they don't care. And if you're doing this all the time, their nails are never going to get that. Even if you're doing two day, if you're doing their toes every once a week, it's, they're not going to get that long. And then pretty soon they're not going to care that much about it. As long as you do it slow enough at any time they act stressed, start pulling their paw away. You need to slow down. You're going too fast and you need to keep making it. So they almost are like here, touch my paw with that. So you can give me cookies. You want them offering it. If you can get to that place. I took his licky mat a plus super duper recommend a licky mat it was it's incredible i use it all the time licky mat i think i put peanut butter in it and then i sprinkled red barn on top of it which is the super duper magical treat uh-huh. and then i put it in the corner i sat facing the corner so then when he was licking i would be doing his nails uh-huh. and then as soon as he wanted to walk away that's fine you can walk away Yes. But in order to access the licky mat, we're going to be doing your nails. Mm-hmm. So was that too much force? If he totally avoided you and was like, I'm out and never came back to you, then I would go, okay, this is too fast for him. Don't go from kindergarten to college. But if he kept coming back and taking mm-hmm. a break and then coming back and taking a break and coming back, then he was choosing to come back. So he was not, you know, I mean, he could have just avoided. And so that's good. And then when you were talking about, you can also freeze your licking mats, which will make them last longer too. So you could Mm -hmm. stick that peanut butter in the freezer ahead of time and then it'll make it last longer. But if they're coming back, there's a big movement now in positive dog training um, about giving animals choice and giving them what we call start buttons. So like you have a thing and then they're like, okay, I'm ready for this now. And then they take a break. If I'm working on a big project, I don't just go, I am going to do this, all this project, all in eight hours. I do bit bite-sized pieces. I go take a break and I come back. It doesn't mean I hate it. I just need that little bit of a break and you're giving him choice. And he's basically kind of telling you, okay, I'm ready for this now. Cause he knows what to expect when you're there. But if you find sure. that they start avoiding you, then you know that you might have done something where you're pushing too fast and then just slow down your um, your technique. Okay, that's really good feedback. I did a similar thing with the vacuum where mm-hmm. like I, I needed to vacuum my house. He had full reign of the house. He could go wherever he wanted and then he could choose to be in the room that I was vacuuming or choose to be anywhere else, including outside. Mm-hmm. And so it felt a little rushed to me because I would have preferred to like, Turn the vacuum on, give them a treat. Yeah. Turn yeah. the vacuum on, give them a treat. Turn the vacuum on. But like, I just didn't have time for that. I just yeah. had to vacuum my house. And so was that an okay bridge? This also matters on the dog because some dogs don't care about the vacuum at all. Like I've had dogs who you have like, move. I got a vacuum. <laughs> like I almost vacuum them up because they won't move. And then I have dogs who have attacked the vacuum. I want to eat it and kill it. And then I have dogs who are afraid of it and run away. So if you have afraid of it, run away or attack or kill, 
then, or hide under the table, then that probably would be too fast of an approach. If you have a puppy who's like, I don't really care, then, and you know, it's in and out, then it's probably fine. But if you had that situation and say he was running away and he was acting scared and you really had to get it vacuumed, that's when I would say, put him in his crate upstairs, close the door or put him in the backyard, you know, whatever you needed to do to make him, because sometimes we have to do human life things and we can't always accommodate our puppy, you know, every whim, kind of like kids, you know, we can't, sometimes we have to do things that have to get done. And so if we have to, we want to make it the least amount of stress possible, because what can happen is if you rush something early, it can become fearful for the rest of their life. So say Teddy was like scared of that. And yes, he ran outside, but he ran outside because he was terrified. He may be uh, really afraid of the vacuum in the future and it may become a problem. If Mm -hmm. he came over and was like sniffing it and like, what are you doing? And then walked away and moved out of the way just because you were in his way, then that's not as big of a deal. To wrap up this segment, I have a silly story that you already know I made a big mistake and I taught Teddy give me five way too soon and so now you're and you're laughing because I haven't told you this but you have experienced it so now what was I thinking Shannon his sit is not solid his down is not solid his come is not solid his knowing his name is not solid but (laughs) I thought, well, give me five is so cute. And I for sure started luring him to like roll over and do all those silly things. And so now what that means is I'm, he's volunteering, give Mm -hmm. me five in everything that he does. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) My, my uh, recommendation is to teach the most important things first. Um, and so- it is true. A lot of times the first thing they learn is like a foundation or a default behavior if they learn it solid. And so like, that's why I teach sit. Like some people are like, oh, why do you teach sitting? You know, some trainers don't think sit's necessary. It should be voluntary. There's all kinds of theories about this. I like sit because I like the more words I can ha- talk to my dog about, the more communication I have with them. So sometimes I need them to stay in one place and it's easier for them to sit or um, lay down. My children learned when they were small, because I had three small children under five. If I had to get out at the Target parking lot and I didn't have a cart, my children learned that when they got out of the car, now I laugh, I should have taken a picture. They had to put their hand on the car until I told them it was okay. Sometimes they put two, so they look like you're being arrested. That was not my intention. I just wanted, I said, you have to touch the car until I tell you you can let go of the car. You know, and then when I get them in the cart, so I'm like, okay, touch the car. You know, it was all positive. Okay, everybody touch the car hold the car until mom gets a car, you know, blah, blah, blah. But that became their default. You know, they got out of the car and they would touch the car. I didn't have to tell them. And then they'd have to worry about them running in the street. That was the whole reason. And the captain learned because he was born in my house. He learned sit when he was five weeks old. None of the, and all the puppies did that were in his litter. None of them jumped on people because they all learned the sit was the preferred. Our mommy, our human mommy loves it when we sit. So we're just going to sit, 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 sit. So sit is still his default preferred if he doesn't know what to do he sits when he was learning new skills if he wasn't sure he would just sit and it was a default behavior teddy because his sit wasn't solid before he has and and he's learned and it's easy to do five and you probably laugh and smile and your reinforcement's not just your treat it's how you respond to him he knows he gets it so that's where you want to teach those carefully then when you have any behavior that they start offering 
when you didn't ask in order to make it fluent and to make it so you have some control of impulse control over it is you have to ignore it, which is hard when there's a cute little puppy that's giving you five. But if you said, if you were asking for sit and he gives you a paw, you have to ignore that and then wait till his paws on the ground. If he's in a sit, then like click and treat if you're using a clicker or treat when you're so that he starts to learn that it's the paw on the ground sit that you're reinforcing. And if it's becoming a major problem, then just stop doing that as a reinforced behavior for a while, he'll learn it again. That's that's I've, what I've done. I was like, yeah. oh no, oh no, no, no. Like we are going to focus our training time on the things that are really critical. Yes. Like sit and down and stay. Exactly. And then just pull it back and then you'll be able to teach it. I find dogs are usually either nose dogs. So they use their nose for a lot of things or paw dogs. And they use their paws for a lot of things to explore. Captain was a paw dog. So I had to be really careful. I taught him how to touch and everything, but I had to be really careful what I taught him to touch because then he was scratched. I mean, he still scratches at the door. I mean, still sometimes, even though it doesn't get reinforced anymore, that's his preferred. Where other dogs will use their nose to explore and then that can become a problem. But yeah, just keeping it all under threshold so that he's like learning what he needs to learn well yeah and I'm curious is there anything big you know you've got a slate of three or four puppy classes going on right now are there any like other big settling in questions that you've gotten from other people in puppy a lot of times it's mouthing which we've gone over a ton a ton in all the podcasts so that's potty training which we've done in the podcast of getting them out going potty reinforcing that and then socialization you know what that looks like and as you've experienced when you really do a good job socializing your puppy, it's, it's a lot of work because it's a lot of forethought. It's a lot of planning your day or, you know, what you do on a weekend isn't just whatever you want. It's like, okay, where can we get the puppy this weekend? Oh, I got home from work. Where, where can I take the puppy or what can I do to be creative, to let them explore with different things? And that's where you can do some things in the backyard by having different textures and having that baby pool coming out with all kinds of things. Puppies need consistency and they need their sleep. If you're very consistent, it really helps them not have stress. Just like for all of us, if we know what to expect in situations, it's less stressful and, you know, just getting them exposed. Cause it, right now where Teddy's at, he's still in that. We got to get as much socialization in as possible because that window is beginning to close because he's going into this phase where he'll start going into a fear period at some point. I always just tell people, just try to protect them as much as you can for the first year, because you never know for sure when they're in a fear period. If something scary happens, like they say in the human world, get back up on the horse. So, you know, if something happened at puppy class where um, I have this big nutcracker and it fell on some puppies that were playing or fell by some puppies and one of the puppies got fearful. So I was like, okay, we're going to stop this. I put treats around the, the nutcracker. I let the puppy sniff the nutcracker, put treats on it. And then the puppy was like, oh, that was okay. It just fell. No big deal. And that could have become fearful if he was in a fear period, but we just nipped it in the bud. So if they get afraid of a person, like they bark at a person when you're socializing them, stop. And if that person's willing in that moment, say, can we just like, can you sit down, treat, give treats out of your hand, try to fix it in the moment if you can. And then notice that, that happens. So you kind of work harder on that. So like Captain Gun was afraid of somebody when he was four months old and I didn't do it well enough because I didn't realize that he was going to be so scared. And then it took me a year and a half to get him unafraid of people after that. So now after seeing what Captain did and Captain was not an anxious puppy, so I did not 
think it was going to happen. Now, anything that happens in a fear period or that first year, I'm just going to go over and make sure that I make it as positive as possible. He and I are very comfortable coexisting in the backyard and in the kitchen. I found the only time that we were in my bedroom was for me to put him in the kennel but Mm -hmm. I'm like I do lots of things in my bedroom besides like sleeping and so keeping him busy while I put away the laundry and of course the most interesting thing of laundry is to pick something out and race around the room with it yeah and so what I've been doing is like giving him a Kong exactly I just put away as much laundry until he decides he wants a sock. And then it's like, okay, well, that's all the laundry we can put away. Yeah. So to- and it's pre, it's thinking about things ahead of time, you know, really thinking about that. So just normalizing all the spaces. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. exactly. I have people who say, well, I never vacuum around my dog, my puppy. And I'm like, well, you're never going to be able to vacuum around your dog either. If you don't get them used. I never sweep around my puppy. Well, then you're never going to be able to sweep. Yes, it's a little more work now, but it will pay off in the end. Thank you for being my guest again. And I'm sure we will have another episode of our Positive Puppy Podcast. If you guys have any other questions that come up as you listen to our podcast, go ahead and email at info at trulyforcefree.com and share this. Let your friends know because I just want to be able to help puppies, you know, grow up to be good big dogs. So thank you, Emily, for being here. Thank you. Good to see you. All right. We'll see you guys next time.